So people don't know this, but occasionally I will just write to Glenn Greenwald. I will just tell him stuff. And unfortunately, I've been assaulting his inbox with these, like, you know, unwanted narratives for years. I've been doing this for years. He never writes back. You know, it's typically, you know, he's too busy. He's got, like, eight million dogs. He writes for a living. You know, he's married to a politician. La, 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 la. I don't know. I don't really expect a response, but it's really cleansing to write to Glenn So that's what I do. Occasionally, I will write to Glenn, Glenn Greenwald. So I'm going to read you. I, I told him a few months ago that I would, I would compose or I would start a segment, possibly called Letters to Glenn Greenwald, based on what I do with my writings that are aimed at his inbox. So, sorry, Glenn. It's so much less about you and more about, like, what I do at your inbox. So, please forgive. So, this is the first of possibly a few, I don't know how many, of the letters to Glenn Greenwald. Some of this may be slightly modified for readability, but it goes as thus. Glenn... I cannot at the moment send my correspondent to the Tucker Carlson Tonight program. It's not my design to do so. They may be under heavy backlash for some public or their communication ports have been sabotaged. Could be anything. I don't know. I just want someone in network to know I made my best effort to reconnect after a peace sabbatical. Where I wrote angry stuff I won't ever publish. I know I cannot reach the program because I made an attempt this morning to send correspondence to the show. So, Tucker pulled a fast one. Whether or not Nancy Pelosi's faith is genuine or not, it is very significant to me that the Vatican denied her communion because of her political work. That actually bothered me very deeply. People sin. There's no purpose of salvation unless there was a principle of alienation between God and man. I just heard the classic rendition of, this person is not a Christian if they do not obey the religious conservative polities line on whatever. Abortion, transubstantiation, church of state, whatever. It was a fair critique of evangelicals. Evangelical, evangelical conservatives will sabotage their initial aims at converting the laws to Christ by dispatching any member's Christian identity. If a Christian doesn't guarantee fealty, for their theocratic agenda aimed at U.S. secular government. These are baptized people who attend worship services regularly and who take communion, which a significant portion cannot be counted among that polity for obvious reasons. This isn't new. It's been going on the entire time I've been alive. I don't want Tucker to get lost and make this mistake. The point of evangelism is to move people toward the faith on the auspices that Jesus saves anyone who asks. The scripture even states that Christ promiscuity and salvation of all people. Politics is about power, so saving the losers is not the aim. This is a Christian technicality point. I don't want to bother you with what you may or may not believe. However, understand that members of the faith, like myself, do want separation of church and state because the tradition of man has been to abuse religion to the point of tyranny. Nothing has changed. Men of the pulpit everywhere get there for personal narcissistic aims 
and to hold sway over masses of people. They are personality cults built to worship a man wearing God's mask. People are only guilty of being confused and deceived when the televangel swaps the gospel for their own pale, self-initiated aims to serve themselves. The pastor calls the aims one and the same, but they are not. You and I both know that. However, to say that the example of the commercially viable, immaculately sculpted Disney topiary, the symmetrically male, punctual, tidy, mortgaged, married, paternal, straight, Calvinist-approved credit line, and corresponding purity crucible passing conservative political hems of Tucker Carlson as strategic, certified American Christianity is true only for politics. Everything he demonstrates for the faith is chalked as works. To say that only his narrow archetype alone qualifies as Christian is a fact error. Sheila D. Now, why did I write this to Glenn Greenwald? Because I am totally convinced Glenn Greenwald cares about what's true. Okay, so I had to get that out of my system. Thank you for coming to that AI show. It's kind of a three-minute introduction. Every now and then I will... Uh... That's a new new feature I'm adding called Letters to Glenn Greenwald. I don't know how often it's going to happen, but uh, but I will do some letters to Glenn Greenwald every now and then. And uh, that was the first of, I don't know, whatever. So some really interesting developments right now... I'm back on Twitter, by the way. Woo-woo! So, I was in the speculation land, the land of speculation. I see John is with us. John was um, in the room with me, I think it was Thursday night, when I was speculating about what might be the reason I might might have been hellbanned or kind of locked out of my Twitter account. And I, I, think, I think what we deduced at that point was that I had insulted the tiny manhood of a Twitter bot. It was a parody account of the NSA. And I... I... I, um, <clears throat> I did not... Uh, do that very... I was not a nice lady. I, I pretended that I... claimed to remote view and I saw this... parody bot's tiny penis. And then I mocked that and said, stop spying on Americans. That's what I did. And for that I may have been locked out. So, at the time, the guys in the room was like, "Why would you do that? Why would you? Why would you mock this this uh, this robot's tiny penis? Because I, because robots don't come with that kind of equipment. They shouldn't be insulted. Why are they having human? And then of course it went straight to the AI is sentient. And then I said, Elon Musk needs to buy this and end this now. End it now. So, we're back on the train on the Twitter train. So. Top story, it turns out that uh, the Toronto Sun, the TPM, let me see here, the Daily Wire, they're all all retweeting in, in unison. It's a floor filler that uh, Joe Rogan says that, that Canada must dump Justin Trudeau because he's communist. And it's like, wow. So it's, it's just blowing up. It's just like, that's just happening. So I just want you to know about that. I thought that was really interesting. So we can get on to some AI news. 
Um, the subject of today is that when AI kills, now AI will kill a body. It has happened, but it's been through crashes and negligence so far. You know, it hasn't been through willful, you know, commandeerment of say IoT to trap people. Uh, so I just wanted to go into some of the backing out of AI due to harms. So this is from the MIT Technology Review. I'm just going to go there. All of these are in the links, by the way. If you go to the top of the programs underneath um, that big bar that says AI Show, there's dots underneath. If you push to the left, it has all the articles like who is liable when AI kills. Um, there's a news exclusive there. Toronto wants to kill the smart city. It's like the fourth story. So that's what we're going to go to right now. So Toronto wants to kill the smart city forever. They were the first people on board to onboard the concept of a smart city. And now they're like chucking it. They're done. They sidewalk labs with Google. They're just like, they're tapping out. So it says in February, the city of Toronto announced plans for a new development along its waterfront. waterfront. They read read it like a wish list for any passionate urbanist. 800 affordable apartments, a two-acre forest, a rooftop farm, a new arts venue focused on indigenous culture, and a pledge to be zero carbon. Sounds sounds like a utopia. It says, the idea of an affordable, off-the-grid Eden in the heart of the city sounds great, but there was an entirely different urban utopia planned for this same 12-acre plot known as Quayside. Just a few years ago, it was going to be the place where sidewalk labs, the urban innovation arm of Alphabet, also known as Google, LLC, was going to prove out its vision for the smart city. Sandwiched between the elevated Gardner Expressway in Lake Ontario and occupied by a few one-story commercial buildings and a mothballed grain silo, Quayside shouldn't have been that hard to develop. The controversy ensued almost from the moment in October 2017 from that Waterfront Toronto, a governmental agency, overseeing the redevelopment of 2,000 acres along the lakeshore. Um, it announced that Sidewalk had been submitted to the winning proposal. So let's just flash forward because this is the, so the end of the smart city. Time and time again, we convince ourselves that this big idea of the moment will not only improve our daily lives, but cure society's ills. In England, the Garden City movement, introduced by the urban planner Ebenezer Howard in 1898, aimed to merge countryside with the city while avoiding the disadvantages presented by both. The American version, the City Beautiful, sought to return beauty and grandeur to cities as a path to a more harmonious so social order. Like Corbusier's rigid, high-density plan for the never-built Ville Radiant City in Paris, pursued urban utopia through architectural discipline. More recently, the 15-minute city is a global movement in favor of planning cities so that everyone has access to work, school, retail, and recreation with a 15-minute walk or bike ride. So the smart city has been perhaps the dominant paradigm in urban planning over the past few decades. And it was originally coined in IBM hopes that technology could improve the way the cities functioned, but it's been most successfully deployed under authoritarian regimes. So I'm just going to leave it there. 
The reason why this is being pulled is because the IOT authority was abused. Okay? So, further down it talks about CEO Dan Doctoroff posting a, for, a farewell letter to Medium, explaining that it had be, become too difficult to make the 12-acre project financially viable without sacrificing core parts of the plan developed with Waterfront Toronto. So it was a city planning nightmare in addition to a privacy nightmare. So, All right. Things did not go as planned in Utopia. So let's switch back to um, When AI Kills. That's, that's what this is about today. So we need to change the rules and institutions while promoting innovation to protect people from faulty AI. Let's look at some of these, these viable harms as produced. So mass surveillance. Oh, wait, John wants to talk. So I'll just interrupt myself and let John talk. Hey, John. Hey, how you doing, Sheila? Hey, um... You know, when you talk about smart cities and, you know, you're talking about rules and policies, they're still going to have a bias, how they yeah. set that up. Yeah. You know, like like the obsession about carbon and CO2 to me is false because, you know, carbon's the foundation of all life on this planet. And when you attack carbon, it's going to get to a point where, you know, when, when CO2 and carbon levels are at record lows, the question about the earth just replenishing itself because i mean yeah as we all know that's how the atmosphere is created that's food for the plants and things like that um right away that i mean it's like we're killing ourselves so that could be in a bigger picture you know like a scenario for how ai kills but yeah um but i but that whole premise about uh ai and um well, and IoT what is like automation. About, the, the bias that's put in there is is always the problem and always will be. It's mm. going to always be a work in progress. There's never going to be a perfect um, setting, I guess I should say. And uh, it's going to continue, you know, and you have to keep uh, applying due diligence and rigor to it all the time. So it's going to take, it's still going to take uh, intervention on our part because I can't, necessarily correct itself they're trying to get there but I, I just don't see where that's possible except to initiate initial biases that you know just keep uh i guess festering itself in a way but um i, I don't know i just don't see how it but i just when how iot uh, how iot kills i'm just kind of curious what you're going to say about that but yeah well I, I just want to point to some harms if you don't mind there, there are yeah. several areas where ai can produce harm the the first one is aviation with drones and you know things falling out of the sky big data research which is a massive amount of structured and unstructured data stored um you know what you do with that information can actively harm people uh customer management systems or cms uh how it gathers data how it segments data you know that could be used to sanction people uh, education, you know, selectively educating some and not others. Um, finance, uh, that would be embargoing people using fintech, uh, debanking people whom, whom the AI does not like anymore. Financial, tra- same thing with financial trading. Hospitals and medicine, that's already happened where, you know, the culture 
that was forced into online housing over the COVID, um, people were were forced into uh, applying for benefits online, and then they may or may not have gotten those benefits based on hacking and stuff like that. But also, the state would know who was receiving benefits, and then maybe try to get them to to take a vaccine, even though they don't really have the the legal or the long term legal right to to mandate that the public take a vaccine. And so, self-driving vehicles, the same as drones, it can crash into things, it can kill people. Sensors tracking your every movement. So, <clears throat> the risk here. It's an invasion of data privacy, self-crashing vehicles, uh, skill attrition, or loss of your skills because well, you know your human humanness being marginalized. Did you want to speak to that? Well, yeah. There's there's a there's a movie. There's a show that I saw called I think it was called Killer Robots or something like that. But it shows how the way society's going. I mean, any job that is any way repetitive, you're going to be replaced. That's that's the scenario. If there's anything involving repetition, it's all going to be eventually replaced by robotics. And it was interesting. You know, it showed like all examples. You know, it went into like a Volkswagen factory. It went into different factories and different scenarios and showed how, how uh, you know, robotics and all that and automation is just going to, is just going to continually take over. So, hmm. so, so what do you think about this new $52 billion bid? from the federal government, you know, that's it, it's being floated, I believe at the house level, um, to house or Senate. I can't, I can't recall right offhand, but, uh, I think that they were repudiating it because of the price tag. We just spent like 40 billion on, you know, uh, you know, Ukraine. Yeah. And, and, and we may have to spend more. And so they well, want... we don't have to. I mean, we we shouldn't be spending money over there. No, I mean I, I agree, but yeah. they don't listen to me when when it comes time to go go vote. Now my my representative was one of the few um, holdouts on on that spending vote. So I'm grateful to which, God which, and and provisionary means that that at least I had one vote in the pot, and it was no. Go ahead. No, I was going to say which bill are you talking about? There's several like around 52 billion that are being. Proposed one is like to to promote chip manufacturing. Yeah, here. that was the that's the, uh, okay. the chip manufacturing. If they could just get that price down and then maybe use privatized, you know, but we so, don't have to subsidize the entire industry. You know what's interesting about that is Nvidia, which is a big chip maker here, based in the U.S. Pelosi's uh, husband has bought a big stake into them. Whoa! You know, Could you, a little, do you have a, a link to that? Trading, trading, do, right? do you have so, a link to that? Do you have a source? Can you put that? In uh, the, you know, that was even comments? on Tucker. That was on Tucker. Um, I don't know if it was last night or the night before. Tucker talked about it. Okay. Yeah. No, he was talking about it. You know, just just the insider. You know, it was an issue. <clears> he was talking about insider trading, and they use that as an example where um, <laughs> this big bill, fifty-two billion, is being pushed. And oh, by the way. Uh, Pelosi's uh, husband just bought a big stake in Nvidia. So, a big stake, get it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no. So, I mean, I I'm not going to ask my representative to vote for that unless they kind of get 
some mo- like spending moderation. I don't think we should subsidize the entire field. Correct. Yeah, and um, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, it, it has to. I mean, the best ideas still are by entrepreneurs, right? You know, I mean, yes. it goes all the way back to the beginning of Apple and and all of that. I mean, that Apple was started out of a garage, so is HP, so are a lot of companies. And and you know, there's the is that old thing, the innovator's dilemma. If you've ever read that book, it's really interesting how disruptive technology starts. You know, and it's it's like it's no big deal. People just think, well, it's just kind of disruptive and some people are using it. But what what happens is more and more people use it and then it finally takes over and becomes the main technology. I mean, an example is like how many computers replace mainframes, so to speak, and then PCs replace minis, then there's the phone and, you know, the technology keeps getting more and more sophisticated. And uh, but but a lot of this stuff was just started by entrepreneurs, and that's still the best way to do it. I mean, you you pour money into a, a, a I don't know, you pour money into whatever behemoth. Let's say Nvidia. Um, you know, how are they going to manage that? And and uh, you still have to promote innovation, and that's not the way to do it. it yeah. Anyway, well, that's, that's innovate. They will yeah. come out and and find a way. Innovators have a way to kind of innovate around yep. the government they they are doing it now and they issue most um and this is kind of not good but the way that i saw innovation they called it innovation but it's it's more or less they they use the surveillance economy because that's what's there yeah and so they just they just speed it up so fast so that they they run so fast that you can't catch them so to speak um, in terms of regulation and uh, unless the technology, yeah, unless the technology <clears throat> is moving so fast, then the government. Well, I mean, it's not the technology; it's the technologist and the people developing well, yeah, but the I technologies. Mean, if it's, if, they if they deliberately hire these uh, legal um, legal hacks, legal hackers to kind of come on and kind of bypass and grease the wheels poke holes and say this is what you do this is what you can do this is what you can't do to game it in order to to use this particular economy it's the same thing in finance um they have finance technologies and and frame rates that will get the trades running so fast that you will beat the other guy and that's the whole name of the game is to do it as fast as you can so that you can get the trades out there faster than the other ones and then get that money. Well, the key so, is if you can define it, though. If you can define it, but if it's, if it's really fast moving, it's hard to define it. And and um, how do I want to say it? it, it you, you, if, if it's really fast moving, it's hard to get your arms around it where you can define what it is you're trying to regulate. Right? Well, here's what I've said in the past is that, you know, when I have advised regulators who were trying to attack this from a from a elasticity is that the, the regulations need to be revisited um, or there needs to be some sort of elasticity clause or sunset clause where they can revisit the rules and literally rewrite the rules every one to three years as if, it's, po- if it's possible yeah. yeah I mean if it and it is possible if they're causing harm because this is what's coming up okay the harms are, you know, skill attrition. It impacts the labor market, which impacts the housing and, and consumer markets. 
you know if people aren't employed they can't buy things discrimination okay so you've got a, a bunch of people out of work maybe there's a different well, different vectors of discrimination or evolving discrimination different times and forms of embargoes that's gotten a lot of coverage lately um, discrimination is like a hot ticket you know everybody's freaked out over discrimination they they don't want to be discriminated against for any reason so everybody's freaked out they don't want to be discriminated by the AI and they don't want to be discriminated for being who they are whatever it is that they are and they shouldn't be I wish our society was such that you know we didn't choose discrimination as as a as a lever to go against anyone I wish all people to be permitted at all times and to get out of the way um, you know so there's the autonomous weapons where basically you just kind of you know flick on the autopilot and then the AI decides to kill people with drones that's that's been an issue that's happened um, so social manipulation where they, they where Facebook manipulates the votes and and the voters and they've got these closeted systems that nobody really knows about but they manipulate the the what people see um, so well, there is some social manipulation so those that's, are, those, the that's, that's the problem with automation I mean again that's where the bias comes in and all that where yeah it's it's it just, a it's, it falls apart it's really bad okay but most of those things won't kill you the autonomous weapons that will kill you the discrimination might starve you for a while but it won't kill you loss of skills that's a slow soft kill but the self-crashing vehicles and possibly the invasion of data privacy if you're doxxed and uh, for some reason you're you know they send the mob after you they, they sell the, they say that you killed small children in the middle of a supermarket when it didn't happen and then then they said go go get that person and then the pitchforks and and torches come out and they want to kick your butt so they they the, the internet sends a mob to come get you and it turns out that they were wrong um, but they still doxed your location using your cell phone or whatever um, so that that would be a potential harm so we have to examine well who is liable when AI kills who do you think is liable in the scenario where say um, <clears throat> Say something like that happens. If if someone doxes and it say it comes from an anonymous account, uh, and someone uses a lie to to kill someone um, by an invasion of privacy, who who would be accountable? Would it be the AI or would it be the person manipulating the social uh, structure in the system? John, that's that's. Um... I mean, that's evolving. I mean, you know, there's there's instances like let, let's say, for example, what's happening in California. I think uh, if if I'm right, there's a California jury jury that may soon have to decide, uh, you know, whether a person driving a Tesla with artificial intelligence mm -hmm. driving system that kills two people in an accident. Does the, the Tesla driver face several years in prison, or is this the, the fault of the AI, or or what? Yeah, is um, the AI at fault? Is it is it the person or the? That's the first question. Well, is this that's the AI? The yeah, that's the question. Yeah. But when it is the AI, who's at fault? 
Well, you know, from my understanding of it, like the, the like the current AI system, let's just talk about this example uh, to determine responsibility and payment for injuries. Um, you know, the, the system's completely unprepared for AI. You know, liability rules were designed for a time when humans caused the majority of mistakes or injuries. And so therefore, like liability frameworks place punishment on the end user doctor. So okay. To speak. So, but what if AI is intervening in this as, as part of this, you know, with AI errors uh, may occur without any human in, input at all. So the liability system needs to adjust accordingly. So bad liability policy will harm patients, consumers and AI developers. Okay. Okay. I mean, those, so let me, those... let me just read this really quickly. It says, um, the time to think about liability is now, this is from the Scientific American, as right as AI becomes ubiquitous but remains underregulated. Already, AI-based systems have contributed to injury. In 2018, a pedestrian was killed by a self-driving Uber vehicle. Although the driver error was at issue, the AI failed to detect the pedestrian. Recently, an AI-based mental health chatbot encouraged a simulated suicidal patient to take her own life. AI algorithms have discriminated against the, re the resumes of female applicants. We talked about this last week, Josh. Uh, and in one particularly dramatic case, an AI algorithm misidentified a suspect in an aggravated assault, leading to a mistaken arrest. Yet, despite missteps, AI promises to revolutionize all of these areas. Um, well, and so, getting the liability landscape right is essential to unlocking AI's potential. So, so, so John, do you have any final thoughts on that? Well, yeah. I mean, AI, I mean, it's, it's what it's doing. It's just challenging traditional liability, right? Yeah, So how do we assign liability, like when a black box algorithm... Uh, you know, is is responsible for identifying and weighing the variables that change dynamically, so no one knows what goes into the prediction, right? right. So, uh, I mean, these no, are I mean, these are these are emerging questions. I mean, you know, it's just, what I've it's, said in the past is that you know, in the event that say the AI gets out and, and wrecks wrecks and something, this goes back to disruptive technologies, right? AI right now is powerful. Mm -hmm. And AI algorithms, if properly created and tested, can aid in diagnosis and market research and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but it's it's very much a work in progress right now. So let me let me add something to that. In the past, like when I've been on uh, programs with Amy and other people at Pangburn, I had the opportunity to talk about um, actuary science. And how, say, if the algorithm goes You're off, it or sorry, the algorithm or the the robot, say that there's, there's a live like mechanic robot that goes out and basically commits a three alarm arson fire. Okay, he just gets out and he torches torches the neighborhood. If that happens, who is at fault? Uh, maybe a couple people die in the fire. Maybe some of them are firemen. Who is at fault? Who is liable? And it would definitely be the owner of the AI, say, if it was property damage, according to um, 
appropriated legal conventions. Whoever owns the robot is okay. liable. So if an end user misuses an AI system or ignores warnings, mm-hmm. should they be liable? Or, you know, because AI should they be liable? not if, the fault of the end user, right? Uh, it's who can fault an emergency room physician for an AI algorithm that misses the, you know, whatever it is, you know. Uh, can you can you go back a step and, and repeat that? Well, I mean, um, I said all AI errors are not the fault of the end user, right? So, I mean, you can, can you, how, who, who can fault, like, say, an emergency room physician <clears throat> for an AI algorithm that misses the the proper diagnosis for example well if you're doing like a laser surgery and it it cuts into a major artery if it's an automated robot and you can't like say halt the laser or there's no manual override or it doesn't stop when it's supposed to stop and it ends up murdering the patient or maiming them tremendously um well then the the hospital owner would be the liable one in that case so, um, so I mean, I, I want to get to a couple more callers, John. I, I really appreciate yeah. you calling in. Sure. Um, you know, you're welcome to pop back up, but I want to take a couple of these other calls. Um, you had some really great things to say, and you're welcome to come back anytime. You bet. Yeah, thank you. Hey, Thomas, what's going on? Hey, hey, hey. Um, I, I just a little bit of background. I'm a software engineer. Oh, so. fantastic. <laughs> Glad to have yeah. you. I'm really glad to have you. That's really, uh, it's so great to, you know, Josh is also a techie. He's in, he's in here and, uh, he's, he comes in and chats regularly. He was cybersecurity, I believe, information security. So that's always, it's always good to have a, a notice. So what do you think about the, uh, strictly like, which do you prefer? If someone were to be killed, would it be soft kill, like being denied or embargoed, like slowly starved to death by an algorithm through discrimination, or would it be like, you know, a quick, you know, I got hit in the head by a robot and died? Which would you prefer? <laughs> uh, in this scenario, okay. like if you if you're gonna do this legally, which would you prefer? To uh, repeat that again, because I I came into the room at the last minute, so if there was any sort of, like, background context, I'm missing. Okay, the subject is when AI kills, okay? And there's two ways to kill a a person, okay? There's the soft kill method, which is through, you know, the slow, uh, torturous, like, denial of resources, the embargo, starving them to death, making sure that they are chronically disemployed which is what people tease me about when I use that term, Um, so that they are denied resources, denied food, employment, you know, dignities, and, you know, access to housing because they're too poor, you know, those sorts of things. Because an algorithm cut them out or redline them for some reason. And then... Okay. Okay, so that's that's a soft kill. So, like, for for example, like um, an AI-based social credit score or something? Yes, where you're basically, you are now weaker through a typing error. (laughs) So, you were scheduled for the trains in the concentration camp, or you are Falun Gong today. You'll be donating your kidneys, your eyes, and your spleen. (laughs) 
<laughs> with no anesthetic. <laughs> okay, so that's that's kind of like well, that's when it literally kills you. So that that's a systemic kill. I would say that the state is responsible in that one because they own the the scoring system and the financial system. So if we were gonna say if something went wrong and they got the wrong person who wasn't a Uyghur or not a non-enemy of the state, say maybe a high-ranking member of the Chinese Communist Party in that case, um, they're like, "Oops, sorry, it was a typo." Um, you know, maybe some, maybe that guy did something wrong. And he was trying to poison his enemies and he got the wrong guy, uh, and he ended up dead. So, well, well, so, so is the question over liability, or is the question over? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a, it's you know, who is liable? Who, who do you okay, sue? Okay, okay, who do you okay. take to court when AI kills? Well, yeah. So, uh, you know, I well, I, I, I software is just uh, how do I call it? it? It's 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 digital hardware in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, at least in my mind, you know, the line the line is blurred. I I used to work as an embedded systems programmer, so that line is like blurry for mm-hmm. me. Um, but but the point is, you know, what, uh, who, who do we take to court? Well, I mean, l- let's look at the liability cases for uh, exploding batteries in uh, in smartphones. You know. Oh, that's a great one. Because 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 you know that's you know is it is it the uh, you know if I if I hand you my phone and my phone explodes in your hand, am I liable because it's my phone? Or is it the or is it Sam, is it Samsung because their battery was bad? Hmm. I'm gonna say it's Samsung, and their their supplier. Um, it's a manufacturer flaw. It's a you manufacturer have... flaw. Yeah, and, so and I, I would argue I would argue that AIs that kill are a manufacturer a manufacturer flaw. Okay. Okay. So it's and it, could it be narrowed to the coder or the operator? Like in the event that you know someone I, I, mistyped. Well, I, well, 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 I think it's the case. I, I wouldn't even narrow. I don't think I would narrow it to that level. I mean, do we do we blame uh, do we blame the person who rolls the cigarette? Uh, you know, uh, operating the, the 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 machine that rolls cigarettes for for, yeah. for 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 lung cancer. So you know, no, we blame the company. So, so, so if, if somebody is producing an AI and selling it as a product, they themselves, like, let's say they're an independent coder or something. Yeah. You know, they, they, as a, a, you know, them acting as a business has to take on that liability as a business. But let's say it's a corporation that hires hundreds of thousands of coders. It's not the individual coders that are at fault for this. The company takes on the liability because they are the ones selling the product. And so... And so, I, you know, if so an we're, AI we're kills, really into class action land. Now, if yeah. they prove in court this was not a widespread flaw, but maybe the way that the the user, the end user, or the owner misprogrammed or tampered with the code or, well, or the way it was it was manufactured, like they got in the software and they did some doctoring. Um, well, 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 that, well, then obviously that shifts the liability, like anything. If if I go, well, in I and wanted I... to mention it though, because that's yeah, yeah. that's something that's that's been kind of on hashed on the table, because um, and that's one of the reasons why so many people in Silicon Valley wanted to criminalize you um, being able to adjust things about your own device. 
you know, you weren't able to actually fix or um, adjust things in your own device because fascism, they, they wouldn't want the corporations to be liable. So they, they've, they've gotten ahead on saying, okay, I can fix this, uh, this flaw in my device, but I have to assume responsibility for the flaws ongoing if this and such affects or impacts the ability for the device to, to operate um, normally. And if well, it well, does well, result well, 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 in well, again, some... I, again, you, you would have to prove, you'd have to prove that the, mm -hmm. the changes that you've made personally mm -hmm. to the code is what influenced the uh, influenced the uh, uh, that end result, and I think in some cases, yeah. you know, maybe it, you know, let's say it's a neural net or something like that, and it isn't quite you know clear how to prove it, who has liability one way or the other, then it might run into a situation where you know the courts That's may may go example, with the, the, the courts may go with um, both, or they may go with neither, um, because again, we have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, and so. And and so in that by that standard you'd have to prove that the you know in in, in emergent AI systems you know where 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 certain patterns or or behaviors or okay let's uh, talk about negligence then you know what if somebody just didn't do their updates and then well, as a result of, of simple negligence they the the robot became faulty and didn't perform according to its design well but if they're leaving updates to the end user mm -hmm. uh then i think there is some you could argue that there is some uh, liability there because at one point in time they did put out that that software update they did um release it to the end user and if they don't require that the end user upgrade it i mean that's you know when, when, when i when i if i put out software and there's multiple versions of that software running around in the wild and people aren't updating you know, yeah, I, I, I mean, I can, I can, I can write into my terms of use and that that you won't hold me liable if something get, you know, you the end user uh, mm -hmm. incurs a damage um, from me, but that doesn't change the fact that you know there still are things out in the wild, running out in the wild that I developed, and so it's not. It 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 that is a gray area. I do agree. Um, the uh, you know uh, updates. Uh, you know, at the same time, you know, it, uh, it, it did the, did the person know that not updating could cause a potential serious situation that could kill somebody or risk their risk bodily harm as well? Um, now could companies kind of, kind of hijack that and force an update force system update? Um, kind of kind of in a way if it was a matter of life and death harm like say there was a battery I, I I believe that would be the ethical answer okay um but 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 they, I think they would have to I mean I, I personally in my opinion you shouldn't have to update anything unless you know what's you know uh, unless it's it's transparent you know what it is that you're updating with I now I now I know plenty of people are fine with pushing Windows updates and things like that, and I do it to well, myself. Let me just interrupt you there, but, Thomas, because you know if this is a hospital, let's say this this is a hospital. There's some I discussed this a couple shows ago or last show, can't remember, but um, there's old Microsoft like 97 Windows mm -hmm. handling heart monitoring equipment right now and heart regulation yeah. equipment, 
and and sometimes uh, vitals and life signs. Okay, if if those crash or if they are hacked somehow, which they are not necessarily the most secure systems, if you would agree, uh, they're no longer being serviced. They're no longer supported. Windows 97 is not supported by Microsoft for updates anymore. Yet hospitals are using them. Um, this is getting third world here. If those systems, you know, who's at fault? If those systems, well, well, a lot of times it's the hospital. Well, yeah, it's the hospital for not not properly keeping their stuff up to date. But that's where I think there is a difference between personal liability, you know, um, consumer liability versus mm-hmm. corporate liability. So if you're a corporation, at, like a hospital. And you and you are using technology, and you have a tech, and you have, uh, you know, IT staff, and they're not keeping stuff up to date, and that creates a situation where you create liability for yourself. Then, yeah, I mean, you're at fault. But I think the the consumer, it's it's less it's less clear in that. Okay, scenario. so in in that case, you know, this this rickety old, you know, Microsoft Windows system. If the IT department at the hospital does not update it, then they are liable for mass class action or individual liability and injury suits if they do yeah. not maintain right the AI. because because they have a professional on staff that should know better. They have a professional on mm-hmm. staff who should have received notifications from Windows that that has been, uh, ob, you know, it's become an obsolete system or that there are critical security patches that need to be applied. And so if if that ends up creating a situation where that incurs liability for them, then, yeah, I mean, they are the ones that will have to, the, 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 the hospital will need to, you know, they'll have to be the ones to carry liability. Uh, okay. Okay, Thomas, I find that an acceptable answer. You know, I think I think that you're very valuable, and that you should definitely come back as a regular here to the AI that AI show and share your thoughts for sure. Do you Thank mind you. if I take Joshua's call? You can you can jump back in queue, but I want to hear from Josh really quick. From sure, I'm, I'm expecting infosec from Josh. Hey, Josh, how's it going? Where'd you go? <laughs> Oh, your dot moved up to speaker. So, Josh, you can unmute your mic and uh, and you can speak. Whoa, this is a lot of pressure. Um, <laughs> I just I I do really enjoy that this room is happening uh, because uh, you started off with smart cities and now we're to liability, which is so exciting but terrifying at the same time. So, I'm just trying to figure out the IT manager that we've all had that should not know better or knows better. Um, and end user updates. I just put like four smiley faces when we're like, divide, you know, depending on the end user to do updating and patching of their systems, especially yeah. based on the their ability to read manuals. Um, <laughs> and I, could, I couldn't read the manuals either. That's why I didn't do the hands-on stuff. Um, but also having to have patch Tuesdays or patch today for your killer robot. I mean, that's, I, I think you're going to need more hardened systems. Uh, we're not going to be able to have systems on the battlefield that are like, hey, 
the AI is really grumpy today. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna buggy. have to patch it. It's buggy. Yeah, like it's. I'm sorry. Maybe maybe we're just not ready for AI on the battlefield. But we write 250 pages about how we should become ready for it because we're probably going to have to become uh, ready for it. So that. Do you that's, remember? That's, do you remember when Trump uh, got a huge? I don't know. He he was escalating a program of some sort to to develop AI of all kinds for military purposes, and he was just trying to keep pace in the the AI arms race, if you will, with other competitors in the world so that we can keep up, you know, with them. And so there's similar things that, that AI is an arms race, but I'm not sure that the, the systems that they're developing are going to be um, usable. They say that they're better because they've tried them and failed them, but there are systems that are being tried and failed in, in regimes around the world where they don't care about the human cost. You know, they, they, you know, China, there's a, everyone's expendable, I guess. I, I can't speak for that. that, that nation that's state, a, let's just leave that to a guess, please. Like, I'm pretty sure yeah, that I'm, I'm, a civilization like that, that is so communal, isn't going to agree with you that they feel people are expendable. I just want to say that, but go ahead. Well, they believe the Falun Gong are just expendable, and the Uyghurs are expendable, and and enemies who speak against their their governance are expendable. So, yeah, I'm trying to see the difference, okay. but go ahead. <laughs> well, no, I mean, they, you know, they they uh, they they choose who their expendable populations are, and I, and there's it, when there's an active genocide going on. And then you know that's their their uh, expendable population. So maybe maybe it if I just turn a the, the knob a little bit for focus, corrective lensing yeah. there. Hey John, do you want to jump in and, and add to this conversation? I I just want to say that we need to be careful. You know, you've seen the movie Inception where they steal our ideas and then they you know essentially parrot it back so it sounds like they're doing good stuff but they're not really doing good stuff. So you need to start charging yeah. people for these dialogues. <laughs> because they're going to like you. You would be a good consultant in this space. Uh, they wouldn't like you, but it's necessary. Uh, necessary Do I consult good. to be liked? Have I ever consulted to be liked? Well, that is a rhetorical are, question. No, the answer is no, Joshua. I consult for change. I consult, and I am compensated in social change. Okay, regardless of what hope I'm paid. Change. No, 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 not hope. I mean. <laughs> positive on four to the floor like get this done because politicians don't they sit around and stick their fingers in their mouth and go what am i supposed to do i'll just take this paycheck they're they're kind of you know i i don't really know what they do unless you know people advise them if you're not advising them you're like against you know the, the idea of you government to, you have to pay to advise them <laughs> You don't like you don't get free access to politicians. The people you were talking about earlier that write the mm -hmm. regulations, they're called lobbyists. That's only sometimes <laughs> true. Now there are people who who accept streamlined access because they're corrupt in our system, but there are people that like I said, you know, it's like earned media. You 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 talk to them and you are able to persuade them 
through accountability measures. And then there is a book called, oh, also, I'm a high advocate. I'm advocating strongly for principles of change management in general. Like, just open the scope of change management to, like, many vectors of the atmospheres of your life. Okay, you can apply change management principles to the people who screw up your food order or the people who, um, you know, get things out of line. Okay, like this week, uh, I went to go get my driver's license this week. And that sucked because I had this gut, 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 down in the deep feeling. I knew I was going to be denied my option. I was told on paper the law speaks to the fact that I have an option to refuse a Real ID driver's license article when I go to the window to ask for it. Okay, the law is written as such. Okay, I'm, you made I it may clear choose... you will run women across borders to get abortions. Okay, uh, so... we're, I'm not done talking, Joshua. I need to get this out of my face. Um, so I need to say that when I went to the window to get my driver's license that I, I preferred the option of not a real ID driver's license. I did that. Okay. And I was denied. They're like, this office only produces real ID articles. So it did give me no option. Okay. They're f deliberately funneling all people toward this, this office if they're to get a driver's license in the time allotted, which is 30 days after you register your vehicle, okay, or you are non-compliant. So it's voluntary compulsory. So they're not in conformance of their own law. So what my job now is to do is to contact the people who write the rules and the ordinances for these DPS, which I've dealt with those people before. I've dealt with those people before, okay? And to adjust them and tell them, you know, you're out of line you're not conforming to your own law you can be sued here i can sue you and then you will have to redo every license that you put out under false pretenses that there was an option when you you forced non-option so that's that's kind of a bureaucratic dry one there but there are systems involved so i guess that's you know ai adjacent go ahead josh well, why do you have to say Josh like that? But I mean, anyway, I mean, this does. Are you starting like a GoFundMe page so you could? Because you said you're chronically disemployed, so I'm just trying to make sure that you're going to. No, I didn't like, say I was chronically disemployed. You said I was chronically disemployed. You I, said I was chronically I, disemployed. I, no, I think I'm using your words. Don't Can stuff oh. words in my mouth. I never said that. <laughs> okay, maybe you didn't say chronically. You said something about disemployed. Periodically disemployed, yes, because there oh, is contract work dries. Oh, periodically, yes. You know about the six-month uh, dry hiatus from Microsoft, don't you? I mean, oh, I, I wasn't no, employed I... by Microsoft, but people use those those tactics in, in the vendors. Okay? You work for Microsoft for a year, and then you have to stay unemployed if you're working in their ecosystem for about six months. So there's a dry spell. People are Isn't familiar that for with usually it. Usually, like H one B visa holders, so that they can do what they need to do, keep their not visas, necessarily. So they they're, they're contractors. They're contractors, and that not everyone who works right. in a tech environment is uh, oh. is a permanent employee because they are a U.S. citizen. 
they, they tend also, to treat... they can pay them less and they can give them fewer benefits. It's all of that. Yeah. Uh, so and I'm not privacy sure, like... is a temporary employment. Privacy <laughs> is, is a project. It's a project and a temporary job. So that's what you need to do. I just, I just want to see if I can get a job at the nonprofit that decided it would be a good idea to put an AI, AI chat bot to talk to suicidal people as opposed to a real person. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Go ahead, John. <laughs> No, I'm just laughing. I'm sorry. It's like we're heading to some sort of entropy or something. I don't know. Oh, God. That's a fail. That is a massive facepalm plus lawsuit plus everything. (laughs) God, it's the worst. It might have been Hunter Biden and or Nancy Pelosi's children on the board of that nonprofit. It. I'm not, hey, that's complete conjecture. I'm making that up. Do not run to the presses with it. No comment. <laughs> I think there's ambient noise here. Okay, it's uh, it's nearing 2.30. Um, does anybody else want to jump up here and talk? John, I mean, your f- final parting shots on, on when AI kills. Well, you know, I think it's we're so early in the games. You know, I think there's just a lot. You know, it gets back to rules and policies and everything, and it's a rapidly evolving thing. And it's hard to well, it's going to be hard for government to get their arms around it. It's too it's too fast moving. But um, it's you know, it's work in progress. I mean, there's there's been a lot of good points brought up here. I think, and uh, but I think it's to be continued. And and uh, uh, you know, there's going to be, you know, quite a measure of disorder surrounding this, I think, somewhat because of the things where, you know, when you talk about AI and what it's infiltrating, uh, there's uh, a lot of jobs that are going to be that that humans normally have done that AI is going to take over. And so it's going to I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see where this leads, because it boils down to the algorithms, the, the rules and policies, and it just constantly has to be uh updated and and uh and, and changed and so uh i know it's, it's just it's just interesting yeah that is that is uh i'm glad you added that as your final parting shot hey josh do you have any any more stingers before we get out of here uh no i i, I essentially i emptied the chamber um but uh <laughs> i, I I do want to bring up Kurzweil. He was like he—he's a futurist, right? And oh, right. The, uh, this, uh, what is it? The Singular Singularity Institute. There you go, Kurzweil. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. So he's like in 2060, the AI will essentially just have the humans as slaves, and I'm like—I don't know if I'm for or against it. Uh, but uh, I'm definitely like I—I I don't think we have enough metal to to really produce that much. Robots. They're going to end up being like like dopey bosses that you know seem abusive, but they're they're just they just don't understand what they're doing. And you're supposed so it's to the same thing as we them. got now. Well, it'll be yeah, a it gradual. Was... It'll be a gradual decline into uh, what we view as disorder, but maybe what they view as order. So I, you know, I, I see that. Uh, I see that happening. Well, I mean, I think there's the other social decay problem where you get people who are over-reliant on technology who, who won't 
know how to do basic math after a period of time because they've been using calculators for too long on their phones, um, not be able to function properly. Nobody knows the slide rule anymore, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I thought only engineers used slide rules, but, you know, and I I only had to use them for algebra, and then after that I was just like, to hell with this, because all I do is English and typing and uh, an idea generation, where I save the world... One piece at a time. Oh. Thank you. Thank oh you, everybody. <laughs> you've, you've created a monster. So, um... but, but, you know, it's kind of interesting because all of these advances that have happened, you know, the cell phone and, you know, all of these different programs and companies that have come about. <clears throat> I, we, I talked about this on another show. I mean, half the world still runs on old COBOL programs, you know. And Fortran and things like that. It, and, which is and, fine. I mean, if it works, if oh, it ain't yeah. broke, don't yeah, it fix works. it. Yeah, it definitely works. Well, how's that going to work for billionaires? We have to break it and fix it and break it and fix it and break it and fix it. Well, you're, you? a break it, you're a break it, fix it guy. Josh, you were a break it, fix it guy. If, if it's not yeah, broken, you can't get out. in there and fix it, you little weevil. <laughs> yeah, I. they kicked me out. <laughs> Uh, you're a Mr. Right. Bug Bounty, just... right? You're you're the Mr. <laughs> you know, like, oh well, I'll just screw this up so I have a job, anarchist. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm doing to the whole system, and you just called yourself a superhero. So who's who's the bigger narcissist on this call now? <laughs> well, I mean, a little a little salted like self congratulation every now and in ten years is is not not too bad. It's not so bad. I... She's a, she's I gave you a shout out on that call. I gave oh, you a yeah. shout out on that call. Okay. Yeah. So fantastic. Thank you very much again. All right. We we are so grateful for you, Josh. Every time. Thank you for coming here. Thank you, Thomas. <laughs> your 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 repartee was so valuable. I hope you come back again. Thank you, all attendees of that AI show. We covered it. Uh, there will be another episode next week on what we don't know it'll probably be the the monopoly business uh some of the bipartisan um privacy stuff that's moving like a fast mac truck through the bicameral congress and uh we'll see what happens i'm I'm actually kind of ready and freaking out at the same time uh oh john you're still there (laughs) sorry yeah, no, I was going to say what Congress is more like a parliament, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I hope we get some kind of grip on this. I really do. I'm 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 feeling a little foggy about it, but I think the more you talk to them, the less they feel alienated from you. So that's the rule. Well, if you can get the relational them, yeah. rule is if you talk to them, you talk to their offices, they feel less alone in their crappy decision making. So try that. Try that, and and we'll see you next week. At, at, right around this time. Thanks for joining that AI show. Okay. Take care. Hi, this is Sheila Dean with That AI Show and the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. We are running a July promotion to get as many Substack followers as humanly possible to subscribe at SheilaMDean.substack.com. Please go to the website and hit subscribe uh, for a goal of 500 subscriptions. So far, so good. So that's Liberty in Many Directions, SheilaMDean.substack.com. So what do you get? What's in it for you? 
you get podcast content aired specifically on Colin.com from That AI Show, a Saturday show on AI subject matter with conversation, and the Unsanctioned Citizen podcast archives, as well as specific writings from yours truly. So go ahead, uh, get on board and promote. If you like the stuff that you're hearing and perceiving and reading, go ahead and try to get at least three to five friends or a hundred friends if you want to uh, buy in and subscribe. This is the month to do it. Time is ticking. Let's go.